single-handedly broke up my marriage. You're an awful person. You're 24 years old. Why would I listen to you? Why would you be giving therapy and advice to people who clearly need it? It doesn't make any sense, Ari. This is a horrible idea. You're listening to you're listening to unlicensed, 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 unlicensed therapy with Ari Mendes. Ari is your podcast setup as nice as this? No, this is an incredible podcast. Thank you. Really nice. You converted this space to a one car garage. Yeah, you should have seen it before. It was filled, literally filled to the brim, with junk, trash. Yours? No. The whoever lived here previously, like anything of value at all? No, nothing. I don't think I kept a single thing. Are we recording? Yeah. Have we been recording this whole time? Yeah, but I, you know, I'll cut it to where it starts here. Cool. I'm not gonna leave all that shit talking. Yeah. In the beginning, all that shit talking and gossip. Where and you were talking about how you think Kevin Hart's the worst comedian in the world, and thank you for excluding that. You know. Yeah. I don't need people knowing I'm putting slander on Kevin Hart's name. It could really hurt his career, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, and he's going to find out. For sure, Kevin Hart. Kevin definitely. Hart, if you're listening to this, don't don't, ex- don't hurt Sandy's don't hurt. life. Yeah, actually, hire me, man. I wasn't really talking shit about you. I was yeah, talking man. about a friend of mine, but, uh, you know, What would you me. say? I would be a lot of fun to be in I have, Kevin okay, Hart's I'm going to be honest. Every black dude's entourage should have... A fucking chubby white dude. I'm going to be honest. Kevin Hart doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh. But Chris Rock does. Is there anything you want to tell Chris? Chris. He listens. I mean it. We've met a few times. You were justifiably disinterested in meeting me. <laughs> and uh, how could that be? Maybe the third time will be the charm and we'll really hit it off. And I could be one of those young writers that. Follows you around when you're hosting an award show and, and, and tells you how great you are. There you go. One time I saw, I've never met him, but I saw him at a car wash. Oh, we were getting our car washed at the same time, same place. So mm-hmm. I'm that type of guy. And he has a I lime am. green Porsche. Okay. That's the type of car he drives. I like that. And he was on the phone the entire time. His car was being washed. He was on calls. Talking very That's loud. That's what you do. Pacing you make around the most of your time. He was pacing around the car wash on a loud phone call. I'm not saying anything about him or his character, but you do. You know, you make your own judgment on that type of person with the lime green Porsche. I think that's a just a Hollywood call. type of person. Yeah, a business type. Of it person. was very businessy. That's my problem with my career. Is I've got all the creative stuff in line and I work hard, but I'm not a businessy type of person at all yeah it's it's definitely the least fun part of doing comedy is the booking the promoting the reaching out asking for things it's not only not fun but i just don't have an inclination towards i'm not very good at it i'll occasionally get into the mode where i'm like all right let's dig in i'm gonna reach out to all these people but then i forget to follow up and it just becomes tedious, and if I hate to uh, equate myself to an athlete because I'm not a professional athlete anyway, I'm an amateur athlete, but in the professional realm of athletics, there are those guys that and ladies that just want to go out there and play, and they don't want to think about all the other stuff. But the fact of the matter is it comes down to how much of the other stuff you do, the diet and the well, training and the discipline those are all factors yeah the keeping your mind clear and all that and i need to do those things me too i never thought about it that way actually i always thought when i thought about athletes makes me look weird i thought that they did just show up and play but now that you say that you're right they they don't they practice practice they, they work on their diet they have coaches but you know what they don't have to do they don't have to deal with any subjectiveness. If an athlete's You're the right. best, they're the best. They have a stats. Their stats don't lie. You want to know what? If you're into, say, basketball, which I am, there are... It's not even the stats. The stats c- can lie. It's, but not much. It's the, uh, it's the tangible physical evidence of did you win or did you not win. 
did the ball go through the hoop or did it? That's not what I mean. Hoop? Did you keep the other player from putting the ball through the hoop or not? Did you get a base hit when you were up? Is your batting average this or not? Right. You there, you can't say, oh yeah, I I bat two hundred, but it's because the coach doesn't like me. No, you hit two hundred batting average. That's your average. In comedy, we we can make a lot of excuses. And I do. I make all of them. I have a kid. I'm not good at business. Um, I bombed because I had to go to the bathroom the whole time. I didn't have time to go before my set. I make excuses <laughs> all that. the time. Wait, wait. You've had a bad set and blamed it on holding no. in urine? First of all, I've never had a bad set. Second of all, <laughs> I never have time to go to the bathroom before I go on stage. And I never feel it when I'm on stage, but I'm just making an example of the excuses that I make. I always get, um, one thing that happens to me before I go on stage, I get nervous bowel movements. (laughs) I swear to God. I always, if I am performing and I have the time, I always go number two right before I go on stage. I I always want to, but don't have the time. But once I get up there, no matter what physical... Or illness-related symptoms, I feel. The adrenaline takes over, and I don't feel them the entire time I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. There was one time when I had to rush off stage to go do a a BM, but once. How how early did you cut your set due to your BM? I didn't cut cut it. Oh, you just rushed off after that? Just rushed off. I once, this is actually this weekend, the first time ever my body affected my set. I couldn't stop coughing during my set. Really? Yeah. And not only that, my throat, the air, like when I wasn't coughing even, it felt like I was going to cough. So it was kind of, it was changing, it just changed everything. And I didn't bomb, but I didn't have, I definitely wasn't at 100. You are in your head about those things. I was in my head, but they are also real things. It wasn't even just head, like it was literally affecting the way I talked, yeah. the energy I put out. I was coughing in, the, in between jokes. Those are real things. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of bombs that suck, but you're just like, whatever. There was... Nothing I could have done. Yeah, there was an impossible force that was hindering me. The kind of bombs that, like, really kill you are the ones where you're like, I shouldn't have said that, or I should have said this thing, or I should have had a different energy, or I just wasn't in the moment. Or that was such an amazing crowd, why didn't they like me? Right. Yeah, no, this, and this went fine, but definitely, you know, was my worst out of the weekend. And then after, Where were you? I was in Lexington, Kentucky. With who? I was with Santino. Nice. And I'm feeling bad about the set. Not horrible, because like you said, it was, I had At a cough. Bro- it was out of, Wait, it's like Broadway Comedy Club? Yeah, or Broadway. It was actually my third time there. I went once with Polly. Yeah, I've been there once. And I went Polly. once with Theo. Cool. Never thought I would go to that place three times in my life. There's so many places I've been to. I've been to Addison, which is a suburb of Texas, probably 12 times. Isn't that weird? Like, Never. Why would I be in Addison 12 yeah. times? Yeah. Life of the job. So I'm there for the third time. I have a bad set. Not overthinking it. Like you said, it was out of my control. Someone sends me a DM on Instagram. Hey, Ari, um, you should work on your cough. I thought that was him being nice, like feel better. And he goes, also, uh, your jokes suck. You suck as a comedian who went to the show. Why do these people feel like they need to reach out to do that? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, what? Even if I had a bad, even if I bombed horrendously and was terrible at comedy, who in their right mind would ever reach out to someone and send that to them? Did they feel so dissatisfied with the show that they're like, all right, I need to do this? Even if they did, it's like, then they got to see Santino go up for an hour. It just, it made no sense. I couldn't believe how bad of a person he was. That's terrible, man. I'm sorry. I've had Thank it you. where, you know, you go on the road with Polly too. Polly sometimes. Short. I haven't gone on Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I have a theory I same sometimes too. I, I don't do it too much anymore, but there was a while when it was like I have a theory 30 of why weeks he, out of the year he doesn't bring me anymore. Why? I would like to hear if you think there's any validity to this idea. Uh-huh. So last time I went with him, might it might have been Lexington Comedy Off Broadway, I forget. But I was with him and his assistant at the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you go on the road with him, he ambushes you like you think you're just going to be him 
and you on the road and you get your own hotel room but then you get to the airport and it's like surprise you're sharing a hotel room with somebody you didn't know oh yeah this is our first time meeting yeah we're sharing a hotel room. i've had that a lot. um and it didn't bother me at all mm-hmm. it was fine i'm i'm a pretty easygoing guy same and i with Polly, you know i expect it's not gonna not everything's gonna be the dream situation so didn't bother me we're sharing a hotel room and we got along fine I pulled a couple of girls on the trip, brought them back to the hotel room, made out. Just say we made out into the night. Simultaneously or just separate on separate ends? It was like a week long. And you had to tell the assistant like, hey, go wait in the lobby. Yeah. So he and he was cool about it. He was like, wait in the lobby. But, you know, the next day that came up in conversation. Oh, I had to wait in the lobby. And Polly was like, not cool, bro, making him wait in the lobby. But didn't care, was kind of joking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That same trip, Polly didn't get any girls that trip. I think deep down he was a little upset that I got he a He doesn't of really girls. take good looking. Not that you, I, I'd say you're. I'm not good looking, but I'm okay. You're, you're a good looking guy, I think. And Thank you. I'm okay. He doesn't tip. He, you, he likes to take stranger looking guys or obese guys on the road that's me. so since i since that happened we're totally cool me and polly seen him we're friends everything's good but it hasn't brought me on the, hasn't asked me to go on the road with him and what have i noticed since every opener he's brought you married mm-hmm. josh martin josh martin <laughs> jesus trejo had a long time girlfriend doesn't you know girls aren't his thing oh brenton biddlecombe married or, you know, engaged. engaged. Everyone Jesus br- gets girls. Okay, but More he's not like a hound. I get what you're I'm saying. I'm not a hound, but I wouldn't go that far. But anyway, the point is, the one thing I've noticed since he stopped bringing me is everyone he brings. The one factor but that's how it's come. always been. Yeah. So do you think? Do you think my theory could be right? Right? Or do you think it was? Something I think else? there there could be something to it, but you never know when you're gonna get that text call me and then he's like dude you, i got this gig you gotta do it yeah so i don't know yeah you know when i was going on the road with him when i was single and i would get girls he would do whatever he could to cock block me yeah all the time especially if he didn't have a girl with him and yeah he had no girl and i did it like he would go to sleep and then i would do it he if he had a girl and they had friends, he would push the friends off onto me. And these are the kind of girls that were not compatible with me. Fake tits and bleach blonde hair. That's not my thing and I'm not their thing. So it would just be like an awkward like, hey, what kind of music I guess we're going to babysit each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then if I did meet a girl who was into me, or this one time, for example, I was making out with a girl. He's like, dude, get our number. Have her come to the hotel later. We got to go. But that would happen a lot. And he knows, because he has a joke about it, you have to strike when the iron's hot. Yeah. Because if they have some time away, they're just like, eh, whatever, I'm going to go home and go to bed. Yeah. And that would happen all the... There was a time in Vegas early on. I went with him to host for New Year's Eve. I met the Kardashians at the Burbank airport with him. And this is before they were huge. And we went to Vegas and he was hosting a party. He had a bad back. I was having to push him around Vegas, congested as hell with tourists in a wheelchair because his back was messed up. And we went to this party. Was he getting stopped a lot in the wheelchair like Polly Shore? Yeah. <laughs> it was so annoying for me. But I was just there, young comic, hanging out with him. It's his world. I'm just living in it. And he pushed one of his girl's friends off onto me. And we actually hit it off. We made out at midnight. And it was like vibing and seeing where it was going to go. And we were dancing. He's like, dude, we got to go. Spatch. He says spatula when it's when he wants to get rid of somebody or he wants to himself leave. Or if he just doesn't like that spatch. Right, right. He doesn't like something. A situation, yeah. yeah. That's spatch. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm like, he's like, dude, I don't care. Got her number. Call her later. I'm tired. I want to go back to the... I was so mad. I was so 
she was she was hot, and I don't know what happened, but she was into it. Yeah. But then instead of going back, I had to push him to another club for him to meet another girl because the one that was my girl's friend wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And he just talked to this other girl for a while, and I had to then take him back to the hotel and just through crowds of people pushing a wheelchair. And I'm a fast walker. I walk like I live in New York. You can't do that when you're pushing a wheelchair in Vegas. It's miserable for me. The next day, I just read a book cover to cover. It was the first time I ever did that. <laughs> Out of spite, I just unplugged the hotel room phones and turned my phone off and read a book cover to cover. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah. One thing that you're... I mean, I, I could... I wonder... You pro- Did you show him at all that you were upset or you just bit it? Bit your tongue and... Just bit it. I wasn't in comedy for long enough or friends with him for long enough to communicate that right there was a point in the next day where he where it got contentious he's like dude how old are you and i was like 25 he's like i was already a big fucking movie star by then catch up bro he told me that the first night the first day i ever met him i was in his office fixing his computer and he goes how old are you i said 22 and he goes oh yeah i was a movie star when i was 22 then he said just joking but yeah but yeah, he, that's a go-to joke. And I was like, do you gamble? Because we were in Vegas. He's like, yeah, I fucking have sex without a condom, you fucking loser. <laughs> uh, he's the but best. Me, but me and him are close now. And yeah, you guys are close friends. If he busted my balls like that, I would bust his balls back. Yeah, totally. But at the time, it was just, I was like, I guess I, I should be a movie star already. What the fuck? Yeah, it's funny because one of those jokes where you're like, ha, ha, ha. But then also in the back of your head, you're like, I wish I was. Yeah, I, wa- I, but I think I think I said something to the effect of, oh, yeah, how's it going now? <laughs> <laughs> Not cool, bro. Spatula. <laughs> and then so now lately, you've also been going on the road a lot with Adam. Adam Ray. Adam Ray. And, Josh uh, Wolf. Josh Wolf. Yeah. Love going on the road with those guys. When you it's go on the road with Josh Wolf. Do you do any music stuff? Because I know he's been bringing his guitar out. He brings stage. his guitar, and I go on and I mess around with him on stage a little bit. Once I've done that once or twice, but no music stuff of my own. Yeah, yeah. With Adam, he brings Avery Pearson on the road sometimes to do music at the end of his set, uh-huh. at the end of Adam's, and sometimes there have been a couple occasions when I've gone up and messed around with them too. I feel like that's is that common like i've never gone out on stage with any of the people i've opened for really paulie hasn't brought you back on stage for some thing he wants to do at no where there's a joke at your expense not really maybe like right as i'm bringing him up or something but not like all right come back up here like halfway through a set or anything like that and i've definitely never done that with theo or santina which i'm fine with yeah but i I don't want to feel like that's something that happens to you a lot when i get off stage i want to just decompress but with adam and josh it's like it's so collaborative that it's like oh i'm just still messing it's like being at the store i'm still messing around yeah and then on on stage late night you always bring people up on stage yeah but that's more out of necessity like i was doing all these late night spots and feeling so defeated seeing them i'll leave before i get up i would show up the room would be packed by the time I'd go on, there'd be seven people in the room, 20 people in the room, whatever. It just felt... 20 people, when they're sitting on opposite sides of the room and all right, scattered, feels, feels very, low. very little. So sometimes when I bring people on stage, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know there were this many people in here. But I do that because I kept doing these spots and I just went up there with bad body language, bad posture, and I would just kind of go through the motions and be oh, like... like um. Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and I started bringing people on stage because it re-energized the room. It right, engaged it them it with up. me, got them on my side immediately, do crowd work with them on stage instead of having to like point into the dark recesses of the room and try to pull people in. And I do it at the beginning of my set. We do something silly, get a little video, get a picture. They go back. Sometimes they sit closer. And then I can try out a few new jokes. Yeah. And it, it it really works in my favor. But, you know, that's different than, like, the headliner you're going out with being like, hey, 
I know you're eating your uh, your <laughs> your set meal that you get, but uh, come on. Which honestly, I don't mind. I I love those guys. We have such good with Paulie. He'll bring me on stage and he'll be like, "This is my son. It's my boy. I had sex with a chubby girl in the '90s, and then years later, I found out that <laughs> this fucking guy is my son." Like, I don't think right. he does that with anyone else, though. He, I, I does he bring Josh I went on the road, on stage? I don't know. I don't think I so. I went on the road with him and Frank recently. Frank Castillo, uh-huh. the winner of season two roast battle. Uh huh. And him and Frank at the end of his set were doing like. Oh, Frank, they're roasting Frank each other. roasting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they roast each other. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So he does do that. He does. Maybe do that's that, why yeah. he doesn't. He's never brought me back. I have no. Or he'll have me come on at the end. Or I'll go on at the end to bring him off stage. Polly Shore, ladies and gentlemen. And he'll be like, stay, dance, dance. And we have to dance. And then he like takes the mic back oh, and does a little thing. There's, I've, I've had some of that where he makes me dance while, he's, while bringing him up. Yeah. There was a oh, while God, when I, I was that. like angry at my life and career and projected it onto him where he wanted me to go on stage with him for I don't even remember what bit and there was a lot of times where I was like no just I'm be- not doing just it so you're in a bad mood kind of yeah, yeah hilarious yeah but you're pretty good at uh hiding a bad mood I think oh yeah I am I am you're a nice jolly guy I am I'm, I'm you're likable uh, jovial yeah I am and I have also got a lot better at um dealing with and uh just n- keeping my how do you deal with the negative emotions and perspective how do you deal with mitigating my how do you deal with mitigating problem? your problems instead of just feeling the emotion that i'm feeling anger sadness frustration i think about them and i compartmentalize and i lay it out and i i talk through it in my head instead of and and it doesn't necessarily make you not still feel a negative feeling but it just puts it in perspective and it allows you to function whereas before a feeling like that would would make me not before be a part ru- of the before show it could ruin your day and now you just go, sometimes okay. yeah sometimes I would feel that feeling when I first woke up and it'd just be how I felt the entire day and I wouldn't leave the house but now especially that I have a kid I can't allow that to happen so I've put in a lot of work to not let me has your be kid, overwhelmed by my feelings that's good be that's in good. my feelings if you will that's good advice to people listening yeah. if have you you having a kid has that helped your comedy or hurt it? Um, mostly helped. It's harder for me to go hang out when you have I less don't time. have a spot. It's harder for me to work on my new bits while during the day or write new stuff or any of that. For the road, you know, there's some gigs that I have to leave a day early and I've got to get a babysitter. It th- it presents new challenges. But I think that it's motivated me and re-energized me to write new stuff because I don't want to become the guy that's just all dad material. So for every new joke I write about the baby, I write two new jokes that are not parenting or baby Oh, that's an interesting rule. And uh, it's just I have more to work for and and live for because this this kid is so cute i love her so much and it's it's fun. even while she's crying do you still love her yeah she doesn't cry that much she's pretty chill but you've I never still, had i kind of find it funny when babies cry it's like what are you crying about you don't know you've but never, also that's just how they communicate you've never just had an urge just to you know put a pillow over her head never not even a little no not like three four in the morning you want to sleep so bad, it's your turn to get no, up and take it, care of her. No, well, my wife usually Never been like, oh, let's just leave her on her stomach for a while. <laughs> no, I mean, she's one now. And so she's a little bit more amiable to set her own self-soothing or us soothing her. But Are you having another one? We want to eventually, but where things are right now, no. Just we're not. We're not in the near future. We're not. But me and my brothers are five five years apart each. I think it worked out fine. 
you guys get along? We do now. Are you close? We are now. We didn't when growing up five years apart. It's actually like the worst age, I think, because when I'm five, he's a baby, and a ba- that's fine. But then when I'm ten and he's five, a ten-year-old cannot stand a five-year-old. Five-year-olds annoy the shit out of a ten-year-old, so we didn't get along. And then when I'm fifteen and he's ten, again, same thing. I was just two different maturity levels. It's a too wide of a gap to where I just couldn't relate to him, didn't get along. But what but if it's a, a girl and then five years later, a boy? That might change things, but you can't control that, really. I mean, you can. You can, we're but, not, we're but, not but you're not going, going to, to, but yeah. you can. So I didn't start getting along with my brothers till they were each about 15. So when I was 20, I got along with my... I didn't get along with my younger brother till I was 20 and he was 15. And then my youngest brother, who's 10 years younger than me, same thing. 10 I, years younger so than I you? Have a fifth, so I have a... Right now, I'm 29. I have a 25-year-old brother and a 19-year-old brother. You're the oldest? I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest, too. So my 19... Both of them, I didn't like either of them till they hit about 15. Maybe that's on me. Maybe I just couldn't... I don't deal with kids well. But till they were about... I'm the young oldest. Men. I've got a brother three years younger than me. I've got a sister seven years younger than me. And I have another sister nine years younger than me. Wait, I thought you said you're the oldest. Yeah. Oh, three years younger than you. Okay, got it. And I love all of them. And and me and my brother definitely fought. I, let me rephrase that. I picked on my brother a lot me too. growing up. But I always felt Unfairly. like he deserved it. Oh, see, I always felt fairly. Like no, I, I mean, I was just the older brother. And now I've apologized to him profusely since. But I just don't think as does he the younger you? brother. He does, yeah. He says he does, but... I just I have friends who are the little brother and I just don't think that you ever fully can embrace your brother because they shaped the way, your perception of them they being me growing up. So it's hard to fully but I was old enough when my sisters were born to really truly see them as like little babies and protective of them. I mean, we fought. Sure, but I was. But you took that older brother yeah, role. Yeah. Like I'm gonna. Help and I these took that kids. role with my brother too. But just when we were littler, being closer in age, we fought over things. I picked on him. If he beat me in video games, I would get mad and beat him up. You know, <laughs> which was so dumb of me because it made him not want to play video games with me, and I would get mad when he didn't want to play video games with me. So I was yeah. just. Doing a disservice to him and myself. I would just get annoyed all the time at my younger brothers. They would do something that was annoying, and I would beat their faces in for it. I never, like, punched my brother in the face. I punched him in the arm. Yeah. Pushed Maybe him. Maybe just punched them. Yeah. Maybe not their faces. More wrestling than... Yeah, I guess it's a lot of wrestling. The other thing, though, is I got sent away to a boarding school for high school. For what? For just... Being a generally, nothing bad, but just I was disrespectful, didn't obey my parents, just wasn't the best behaved kid. So I got sent away to a boarding high school. So when that happened, my brothers got a break from me. That was age 13 to 17. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they got out of it. That must have been nice for your parents, too. (laughs) I mean... I'm sure they missed you, but just having three kids is a lot of work. Three boys, yeah. And if you take one out of the equation, it makes it a lot easier. Especially the one that I think, especially at least in their heads, was like, he's causing a lot of problems. Right. Yeah. And it was good for me, too. I wanted to get away. It was good for you. Yeah, I I didn't want to be there anymore. Was it psychologically scarring in any way that, like, your parents wanted you away and... No, cause be I, only because I wanted to be away, too. It wasn't like, we don't want you anymore. It was like, we don't want each other. Got it. So that, was it annoying to go to a boarding school with, with like very strict regimens and rules? It's different because, so when you have a strict parent, mm-hmm. you go, this is happening to me. It's unfair, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. But when you go to boarding school, it's happening to everybody, everyone. So you can't really complain mm-hmm. because... You can't go, this is so unfair. Or if you do, you're doing it with a group. So it's like, this is unfair. Everyone's like, yeah, I know. So it's just everything's better that way. Was Is there any freedom? Like you're a teenager. Teenagers want to hang out. 
I like uh, to me there was more freedom there than back at home, and then this was a military school Holy because shit. I got to on the weekends kind of do whatever as long as you don't get in trouble on the weekends you do whatever you want you have the whole weekend to yourself. What's the curfew? I think it was either 10 p.m. on a weekend or 11 p.m. What about on a weekday? On a weekday, lights out by 10 p.m. But you have mandatory study hall on the weekdays from 7 to 9. But again, it's like all your friends are doing the same thing. So you're not thinking, man, this is bullshit. I want to go out and party. Or, no, I, I never like to party, but you know what I mean? You're not thinking, I want to go out with my friends because all my friends what are in study hall. about just like wanting to watch a movie or a TV show or jerk off? This was, so this was at a time where if you want to watch, no, there were no smartphones. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even have yeah. their own computers. So if you wanted to watch a movie at that time you would i had like a little 13 inch tv with a little dvd player Mm -hmm. and you could do that if you wanted to i had a tv in my room no not for lights out but you don't you had school at seven eight in the morning the next day yeah but i remember when i had school at seven eight in the morning non-boarding school i would be out late with my friends see i had strict parents i was i wasn't allowed to have a tv in my room but like later on in high school for me i was on weeknights i had to be at home with my parents. It was never, I never was like missing freedoms because I never had those freedoms. Got it. So for me. I didn't have those freedoms until I got, you know, junior, senior in high school. Junior, senior in high school, I had a girlfriend at that time and we would make out, but I wasn't allowed to even have her over at the house without my parents being there. Why were your parents so strict? I think they were, they thought that that was what being a good parent was and they didn't realize that there's a difference between being a good parent and being a strict parent. Do you think that them being strict is what caused you to act out? Definitely part of it. It made me a little more rebellious. Because I need to get perspective on these things for to shape, oh, yeah. to shape how I'm going to I be think a there's a line, you know? It's like you don't want to be the parent that lets their kid do everything, mm-hmm. but you definitely don't want to be strict because that makes them kind of resent you. You don't want your kid to resent you. Right. At least not too much. I'm not going to let my kid do everything, but I want to be pretty open and honest. And Yeah, you want there to be open communication. I wa- I'm hoping that I do a good enough job that giving her freedom will not allow for her to make bad choices that I instill. That, that's exactly judgment. it. See, I always felt like growing up that I had good enough judgment to make my own decisions. Even if I was wrong, I always felt, you know, probably is probably normal. But when I was a kid, I was like, I always felt kind of like a man. That makes sense. Even though I wasn't, but when you're 10 when you're 12 years old, you go, I'm a man. Did you feel that way at all? No. Okay. So maybe I was weird. I still don't feel like a man, not a man in the sense of like, look at me. I'm a big, tough man, but I felt like I can make my own decisions as a 12 year old. Yeah, I, guess, I didn't like I being guess. told what to do. Right. And I was probably wrong, but I felt like I'm responsible enough that the decision I make will be best for me. And my parents had the opposite approach where I can't, I'm not, he, this is a little kid. He can't make any decisions on his own. We decide what he does. You go to bed at this time. You do this at this time. Right. And I hated that. Of course. So I think it. I think it's, yeah, to a point where you, hopefully you have a relationship with your kid where you go, okay, let's talk about this. So we want why is this decision explain to me why this decision you're making is the right decision and if they can have a good reason let them do it my i'll always resent my parents for not letting me go to this bat mitzvah in toronto i went to summer camp in canada with the owners of this clothing company roots okay and the girl who is the hottest girl at camp invited me to her bat mitzvah but you and lived all, in, where did you live? In the Detroit area. And so the, how far? And the like, bar, bat mitzvah was in Toronto. So how far of a flight is that? It was a train ride. It's like a th- two, three hour train ride or something. Oh, they should have let you then. And all my friends were going. In retrospect, I was a bad kid and all my friends who were going were bad kids. So they didn't want me to get kicked off of the train in another country. Did they know, but did they know all your friends were bad kids? And why, why were you a bad kid? They you weren't sure. a bad kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean... I was rebellious. I smoked weed. I drank. At tw- at bar I wasn't mitzvah like a, age. Yeah, I wasn't like at a. At twelve, you were you drank and smoked weed. Yeah. Oh, you were a bad kid. I wasn't you were like worse a bad hearted kid. I just wanted to get in trouble. I wanted to get fucked up. Oh, you were worse than me. 
And I got at sent twelve. To I tried school. weed for the first time. I wasn't like a pothead, and I tried alcohol. And they caught but you. But this is when I was fourteen. She was a year, maybe a year younger. I was going into eighth grade, or I was in eighth. Do grade. you think if you had gone to the bat mitzvah, you would have had a shot with her? I mean, I probably thought that then, but I definitely didn't. <laughs> well, how old were you for your first kiss? I feel like I had my first kiss when I was. You don't remember your first kiss in elementary school? No, I don't know if that counts like truth or dare type kiss. I mean, it like wasn't a, a truth or dare type. Kiss. Here's um, why I say I don't know because I definitely had my first kiss when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. I mean, a makeout with, with my friend in the neighborhood. Okay, yeah, a French kiss, oh. but it was more like a like talking about it and let's try it than than like a spontaneous. Okay, fine. Romantic interest. When was yeah? Thing. When was your first romantic kiss with a girl you like? I guess fourth grade with my girlfriend. I had a girlfriend in fourth grade. Wow, you were cool. You smoked weed. You drank alcohol and had a girlfriend in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah, man, that was cool. You were a cool kid. Yeah. Were you still chubby then? No, I was not chubby. I didn't get chubby until I always thought I was chubby in high school. But then I look back at these pictures. I was like, I was not chubby. So having this negative perception of my body image caused me to, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy once I got older. I was like, ah, I'm chubby, whatever. But if I had just seen the way I looked when I was in high school for what it really was, I would maybe be a different person. But now you've just, like, I couldn't even imagine. I've leaned in. I've leaned in a little too hard. I couldn't even imagine you as a skinny guy. No, it wasn't skinny. I was. I, I've always been barrel chested, but I thought I was fat. And looking back at pictures of myself from high school, and I've fluctuated. Yeah. But I've always been athletic and and active. And I'm looking at pictures of myself from when I was younger, thinking I f- thought of myself as a fat kid, and I was not fat. You were just husky. I was barrel chested. I was husky according to the people I bought my bar mitzvah suit from. <laughs> I guess I got a little chubby during at the beginning of puberty and then when I went through pu- pu- uh, when I went through puberty, I I got thin again. But then I would, you know, go up and down depending on how much pot I was smoking and how much booze I was drinking. You were so cool. <laughs> you partied too, huh? Oh yeah. I tried mushrooms for the first time when I was in ninth grade. Oh my god, you were a cool kid. I guess if that's the measure, you were probably of cool. popular in high school. I was, I was popular, but I never. I mean, I had my friends, but I never stuck with one group. I, I never felt like I belonged. You were still nice to everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I picked on kids in my class, but only for the laughs. I never picked on kids, and I always felt bad about it and apologized immediately. I would basically make fun of spazzes for being spazzes to get the other kids around me to laugh. Right. But then I immediately felt terrible and apologized. So you weren't like a bully? No. You wouldn't call yourself a bully. Would you call yourself a class clown? I wouldn't call myself that, but my school did. (laughs) It's funny because I was the class clown in the yearbook, but there's another kid from my high school that lives in Los Angeles. He's a stand-up comic, more successful than me, been in movies, who? who his first five minutes that got him discovered was about how he was the class clown, even though I was the class clown. Who? Brand- Brandon T. Jackson. Oh, yeah, but he was he was a black class clown. Different, yeah, yeah. Yeah. different thing. Yeah, yeah. There was You lived in Detroit, very racially divided. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the yearbook might have been racist. Although, objectively, back then, I mean, it was, it was a vote. It was a democratic mm-hmm. process. People yeah. had to vote. So objectively, I guess there's no electoral college. I didn't know you in the class. Are you guys cool? Are you guys friends? Yeah, yeah, we're friends. There's it from just my class, the O2 class of my high school. Three people, stand-up comics. Who's the other one? Crystal Marie. You went to high school with Crystal Marie. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. So are you guys friends too? But she started like she She, started way after you, right? Out here. She's as been, long, if not longer than me. But not doing stand-up. But she was hosting and acting, and she just started doing stand-up three years ago. Yeah. But she's always been funny. 
what of all your stand-up comedy career, Hollywood show business career, what would you say is your biggest failure or disappointment or something that you wish you could like go back in time on and do it differently, whether that's an audition, a bad show, I don't know, whatever. That's a whole podcast. I have so many. What's I, the one where you're like, damn it, like this one I wish I could just redo Well, I or did, not do? I did improv and sketch in college, and I wish I would have stuck with that a little bit more. I love doing stand-up, and I obviously was more inclined to do it because I followed that path. But I think my career would be in a much better place if I had focused an equal amount, if not more, on sketch and improv. I also wish I maybe started stand-up in a different city before I moved to L.A. Because I started doing it once I moved to L.A. Same here. I don't. And I think I was seen why do you by wish? people in oh. the industry that perceived me as that first, second, third year comic instead of who I am now. And, and it's caused me to miss out on some things maybe. Why did those people see you so early though? Because like for me, I started in LA, but I don't feel like anyone important really even actually still knows who I am. But especially two or three years in, I never felt like... Well, you never know. True. The reason I feel that way is because I got a job in comedy right out of college. I worked at National Lampoon. And so I had opportunities for people in the industry to see me that way i got a manager before i was really ready to have a manager and he got me showcases for jfl that looking back i wish i hadn't done got it and um i mean yeah that and um i don't know i just think you see all these people that move to LA and within a year they're like on TV and yeah doing stuff cuz they had all that time in they're Chicago building. or Austin or Seattle to suck and get good so that when they show up they're a fresh face that's ready to do all the things that their career presents them and now I'm I'm ready and I've been ready for a number of years but yeah, I guess that is true. L.A. does. I mean, I wonder if I would feel this way as much in another city. I think I still might feel this way. But L.A., you definitely have the feeling for me. Anytime there's a good show, I'm like, I want to do really good. Yeah. I think that now comedy is so popular that at every show you need to do really good. Yeah. You never know. Never know who's in the audience. I've done shows... Paul McCartney was in the audience. Ben Affleck, like you just don't know. Who's yeah, you don't know who's going to be there, and you don't want to. You don't want to goof around, bomb or whatever, trying new stuff, and then after you find out, oh, the yeah. Booker from blah 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 was there, and you go, great. You don't want to do that, but at the same time, you want to be yourself and be true to yourself. Yeah, and sometimes they see that. Sometimes that goofing off kills, and sometimes it bombs, but that one person really liked it. But you want to make a good impression is there anything in your life that i could help you with as an expert on everything like myself as a therapist i've you know i've saved a lot of people's lives in here i've fixed relate i've mended relationships i've put people back on the right path my relationship is very strong with your wife yeah it could always be stronger yeah, it could always be. She told be me strong. it wasn't that strong. Oh, really? Um, I don't. I'm After not we talk hooked about up. That. Oh shit! I actually we had a conversation over the weekend because she had a dream that she always has these dreams where where I'm cheating on her. But this weekend she had a dream that she cheated she on actually, me. Does she actually think that you would ever cheat on her? Because no, I feel like no. there's a lot of cheaters out in the world in general. But you're like the last guy I could imagine doing. that. I wouldn't do that to her. But um, I told her if she did, and like a lapse of judgment. Obviously, if she was seeing somebody else, it would. That's you can't go back from that. But I told her if it was like a mistake, I'd want to work it out. I I don't know how I would feel in that situation. You can't tell her that ahead of time. That gives her a pass. Yeah, but then if she does it, then I get a pass too. Oh yeah, hold it over her head. Smart. I'm trying to write this new bit on. 
how uh, men who don't get jealous, they're not secure. They're actually just pussies. Yeah. Like real men get jealous. Like that's that's the type of guy that doesn't get jealous is the type of guy who calls their wife their partner. (laughs) (laughs) The type type of guy who doesn't get jealous is the type of guy who goes, oh, well, you're not going to do it again, are you? It's like, no, break up with her, you pussy. I'm not saying I don't get jealous because I do. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't hurt me because it would. When was the last time you got jealous of your wife? You know, I'll see her texting with somebody and I'll be like, you've got jealous of her text. Who are you you texting with? Who, what's that? Why don't you have that number stored of the person you're texting? But she's like, oh, you mean Priscilla, the job recruiter? I'm actually surprised to hear this. I never imagined you to get jealous. I'm not like very, very, very low grade jealousy. Yeah, yeah. Or, but even that, I'm actually surprised to hear you go, "Who, who are you texting? Like, I couldn't even imagine you doing that. Sometimes you just have these very human impulses right. that you can't control. Yeah, people get your everyone's insecure. I'm not really jealous and I didn't really feel threatened, but in that moment I just wanted to know like what the what's deal going on here, yeah. yeah. Okay, so is there anything I could help you with? How how do I do better at being more proactive and um business savvy in that aspect of my comedy career let me ask you this first do you think i don't i don't or let me tell you this first i don't think i'm good at that stuff either yeah but you are you're you're cutting a a pilot upstairs you got a whole team you put out content you got a video setup you you refurbished and remodeled this garage i'm proactive part of it is you got an airbnb business that's coming to an end in October, That's unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, they're changing the laws, the Airbnb laws in Los Angeles. And you can't rent an Airbnb? You can't. Basically, you need to own the place, and even then you have to can only do it 120 days a year, and I don't own anything. Oh, so wow. that side business coming in. Luckily, it's this is how you know it's so frustrating. This has always been, ever since eight years I've been here, I'll get a little gig that I scrape by with, mm-hmm. and then I'll get another gig, and I'll be like, shit, I'm going to be killing it now. I have two jobs that are paying me that are both part-time. And then as soon as I get the new gig, the other one ends. That's literally happened to me since I've started. Like when I, my first job was working at the ice house and I would get $600 a week. Then I got a job, a part-time job at the comedy store. And then the ice house job ended. Then I got, um, an Airbnb unit. And then I got a second Airbnb unit and the first Airbnb got shut down. It's like, there's all, there's been this out of my control pattern. And now this, this year is the first year where I'm like making scraping by just off featuring. I've been featuring all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm making a living as a feature, and That's now my awesome. Airbnb. And, but then the Airbnb was just bonus money, and now the Airbnb is getting shut down. So it just has happened every time. The difference between you and me is, I had a job, and I got laid off, and then there wasn't anything really after that. <laughs> I've I've scraped by doing different things and featuring and getting the occasional acting job yeah but nothing's been consistent yeah and that just seems like that's hollywood but anyway back to getting stuff but so given that you know i'm not waiting for other people to give me opportunities i've been going out i've been doing my own podcast mfers it's about being a dad being a parent yeah you do a lot but you're saying i want to do more i want to take it to the next i want to do more i want to put in the the, do that all the little things that i need to do so part of it uh, step one is like you said earlier, you're not waiting for people. You can't, you literally anything you want to do. If you have any goal, you can, you have to know that you can do that yourself. If you want to record a special and you're like, but I don't know how to work cameras, blah, blah, blah. You could learn and you could do it yourself. Anything you want to do, you can do right now. We live in that age. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your knowledge of on anything is. That's true. That's true. With a, even with a very low budget, literally any idea you think of, TV show, movie, stand-up special, album, whatever you want to make, you can make it. If you, put, if you put in the work and the effort to learn and get it done at a cheap price and use the connections you have, I know for certain that you could do anything you wanted. So knowing that and not making excuses like, oh, I don't have the budget or I don't know how to edit or... I don't have a nice enough camera. You can get it done. You could figure out a way to do it. So that's one thing. 
that you need to tell yourself and you need to know. What's the second thing? The second thing is tell everyone that you're going to do it. Talk about it all the time, and then you'll have too much pride not to do it. Here's a little story. When I was 20 years old, when I was 18 years old, I told everyone I was going to skateboard from Oregon to New York City. I told people I was going to do it, and I really thought I was. I met people on this message board on the Internet at the time who also wanted to do it, and we planned it together. And then as that month approaches to the trip, one by one, I can't do it. Everyone's canceling. My dad won't let me do it. I didn't train. I can't do it. I'm going to college. I can't do it. Now it's just me, the only one that wants to do it. I'm not doing it by myself. So I told everyone that I'm skating across the country, and now I'm not. I look like a dum-dum. The second year in a row, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it with people off the internet I don't know anymore. I'll do it with people I know. Plan a trip with these people I know. Same thing happens. A month comes in, my dad won't let me. I This is unsafe. I don't feel comfortable doing it, not doing it. Now, two years, I even had the local news come do a story on it. <laughs> and there's two years in a row, nothing gets done. So now it's the third year. I was like, I need to do this. I look like a liar. To, and I, don't already, I bet you no one even thought of me as that. It's just like in my own head, I've created this thing that it's my own pride and ego. So I took a semester off of college. I worked full time at a job. Saved up money. I paid for me and five people to go skateboard across the country. So you part did of it? I did it. So part of it is like just Forrest Gump, but with skateboards. Yeah, like Forrest Gump with skateboards. Did, where did you sleep? Side of the road, motels, tents. Where'd you go? What, you you, what was your From, starting point? What so we started in Newport, Oregon. We finished in New York City. West Coast, East Coast. How'd you get Feet back? in the water. Started with our feet in the West Coast water. Ended with our feet in the water in New York. How'd you? We drove back. In a suburban. You we had a car following us the whole time. So I paid for the gas. I paid for everything. Whoa. Yeah. Did you film it? Uh, at that, see, at that time, this, I wasn't. I had no intention of being in comedy or whatever. We did have a camcorder and filmed a little bit, but I wasn't thinking like I need to capture this. Right. Um, but. A lot of that is my own. I don't know if this would it's work for everyone. You could have had a documentary. Yeah, I could have a documentary. But I don't know if this works for everyone. But for me, when I have an idea, I don't keep it a secret. I tell everyone about it. It's like it motivates me to, if I talk about it, I have to do it. And then it gets people, other people putting their input in. Oh, I'd like to help you with that, whatever it is. But if you have some a goal, if you talk about it, I think it helps it get done because eventually you're going to be like, I need to stop talking about it and do it. Like here's something I've been talking about for like two years that I haven't done. You know, that apartment show I do Ari's mm-hmm. apartment show. I want to do Ari's apartment comedy festival. <laughs> I love that. A weekend of shows full weekend. I want kill Tony and roast battle to do a show in my apartment. I want, I want all my favorite comedians there performing. I want to have an industry showcase. You should. I want to have an all ladies show. You could do two rooms. You could use this room and that room. Yeah, you could do two shows. So that's what I want to do. So I've been talking about it for two years. It's gonna get. I'm gonna do it. But you should. Just a matter of one. So what's something you want to do? Well, I did this Kickstarter a few years ago that I never. I just. I raised the money on Kickstarter, my goal, but it just wasn't even close to the amount of money I needed to do what I set out to do. So that's one of the things. You know what you should do? What? Do it anyway. If that's something you want to do, if that's it, something you still want to do, it is. But I, I have to be strategic about it, and I have to wait for the right time and do it the right way. No, it's excuses. You could do it. What, what was the idea again? To do a comedy special on a jet ski in a hot tub that's on a yacht that is on a trailer. <laughs> wait. So, what's the first thing? Is the trailer? trailer so trailer on land mm-hmm. then on the trailer like you know like you see is the yacht a trailer with a truck and it's carrying but a, a yacht with a with a jacuzzi on it yeah is that or a, a pool that's not even gonna fit on a normal trailer 
Yeah, it would be, you know, like a wide load type situation. Like something that could drive on the street right here? Yeah. So then a jet ski is not going to fit. fit in the jacuzzi Why of a not? yacht. That would need to be a very big jacuzzi. Or small jet ski. Okay, so let's say okay, so let's say we found you a trailer and a yacht and a jet ski in the yacht and you're sitting on a jet ski. Where does the audience sit? In the yacht too? Or No, no. Or in the in, in the yacht, yeah. So they're kind of circled around the Yeah, yeah. Are they in the jacuzzi or are they out of the jacuzzi? I would say out of the jacuzzi. Okay. And so you're not gonna you're sitting down your whole special? I think at some point I would probably be like, All right, I need to the idea is that a comedy special doesn't need to be just a person on stage doing stand-up. It can be, mm-hmm. it can take on different forms, and the idea in and of itself can be funny. Okay. And I think it would start off me trying to tell jokes while I'm riding in circles on a jet ski in a hot tub. Oh, and now, okay. So I first I imagine you just sitting on a jet ski. Now you're actually riding the jet ski in the well, hot tub. Well, I'm idling in it. Yeah, you're idling it. And then I, eventually I'll have to get because I'll be wearing a headset. I and think, I'll have to get off and I'll have to... So, you know, it's obviously elaborate. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to compromise at all yeah. on this idea? Yeah, yeah, What if we... I was thinking maybe like a mini bike on a barge that's like on in a pool. Yeah. So we know people with pools in LA. Yeah. We can go to Jeff Ross's house. I don't know if he would have me there. True, uh, but him as an example. Who else has? Do we know who has a pool? Polly have to be a big pool. Polly. He doesn't live at that house. What about the one he's building right now? Hey, before you rent it out, that Let's one see. Be, behind behind the comedy store. Be, you just say, hey, just a week before you rent it out, can I shoot a comedy special in your pool? We'll see. He's a tough one to get a favor from. You know that. Yeah, he is. But I'm just saying. If you do, if you pull your resources, you could get something done. It may not be your version of it in your head. You're perfect. It may not be perfect, but you could, you could do. If not that idea, whatever your next idea is, yeah, you can do it. I've got other ideas. I want to do a special while I'm getting a colonoscopy. (laughs) In you know those operating rooms where it's like an auditorium. And call it in the round. You could probably do that with a simple Craigslist post, you know? I don't know. It would take doctors and a lot of legal matters. Yeah, but I, you know, maybe break the law a little bit. Maybe get. Uh, I don't know if doctors are willing to break the law and risk their. Here's how you do. Here's how, here's how you do this. License. You ever been to Tijuana? Yeah. We go find a Mexican colonoscopist. I don't know if that's the word Gastro-enterologist. for it. Gastroenterologist. Gastroenterologist mm-hmm. in Mexico. Hey, I'll give you 500 bucks to come with me to America and do this for me on stage. Boom. Done. Done. Now it's even funnier because you have a guy who doesn't even speak English from Mexico doing it to you. That's not even an American physician. I like where your head's at. I can tell you don't want to do it. No, I do. Okay, let's take a couple calls and then we'll... On the podcast, what calls do we take? These are people calling in. They want your advice. My advice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Our advice. You first. This is Candace Kane. What I would like to ask is, I would like to ask advice on love. So I'm in a dilemma. I want to know whether or not true love is love that will be everlasting or is it really based on security and what the person can do for you i want to know whether or not i should follow my heart and take a risk and take a risk with this person who i believe hits all of the things that i want financially mentally emotionally but i don't know if they're always going to love me or if I go with the person who I know will love me forever, but emotionally, financially, and physically can't really give me what I need, but I know he'll always be there. So 
the question is, is whether or not true love is about substance or is it about convenience? Please let me know what your thoughts are. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Candace, I think you got to ask yourself what's more important to you. Because I don't think it's a matter of true love. It just sounds like it's a matter of companionship and what kind of companionship you want. There was a little bit of, uh, for lack of a better word, clunky explanation there. But it sounds like you're choosing between someone you feel a stronger emotional connection to and someone who has more security for you. And it's just up to you to decide which is more important. And there's no judgment on which you choose because both are equally important in this world. It's just a matter of what's more important to you. Here are my thoughts on it. Drop them both. It doesn't need to be a choice one or the other. Find someone that that has everything you want. Some people, it's not important to have financials. For me, I've never thought about, I've never met a girl and go, man, I wish she made more money. I've never had that thought ever because I don't care about that kind of stuff. But if you do, then that's on your checklist. So you have to find a guy who makes the amount of money you want him to make, but also loves you and has a emotional connection with you. There shouldn't be sacrifices. Not like that. Maybe there could be some sacrifices, but not, those major issues so if that's not someone if you have two guys on your table right now and they each have half the things you want ditch them both look for a guy that has both of the things you want yeah that's even better advice thank you so much yeah on licensed therapy with me all right man we'll take one more call this is from uh timmy pepe rossini tip timmy pepper Oh, this might Peppercini. be a prank phone call. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Timmy Peppercini. Appreciate you having me this on. Calling call. in from sunny Maybe. Culver City, California. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I just got a couple sunny. questions for you. Uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, fake. but uh, hey, that's another Brooklyn. day, another dollar. You know, I've been here in lovely California doing this thing for a while now, doing this show business thing. And, you know, I've seen so many people just tuck tail and run back east. And my question is, should I, should I stay out here for, for, for passion and loving what I do, but still working for peanuts? Or should I fucking go back home, reassess, you know, realign my values? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I fucking love it out here. It's fucking awesome. But, you know, I'm not making enough money to pay this $1,800 a month for fucking rent. It's crazy. Two-bedroom fucking apartment, $1,800 That's a, a good month. Deal. That's a really you know? good deal. My question to you guys is my, I'm seeking for the fucking advice is, you know, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You're in the business. You know, we're all in this fucking business. You know, some of us got a little bit more. Some of us got a buddy. Moved out here from fucking Jersey. Goes down to Venice. He's got fucking... Three months worth of, worth of cash. Two degrees, master's degree, some some fucking else. And, you know, it's it's it seems like it's the people with the good families that that always end up having to go back because they 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 got security. You know, but I feel like the people out here that ain't got much to lose, it, it does some sort of weird magic. And you know, and that's why that's where I'm at with this thing. That's where I'm at. I'm loving it. I've never been more fucking happy in my fucking life. Like you can I think he just answered it for himself. Yeah. You got to stay out here. You got to, st- especially, I mean, what are you going to go back to Brooklyn? It costs more to live there. And you just said he's so happy. If you're happy, then but what's al- the issue? Also, I don't know what aspect of show business he's in, but if it's being some kind of a talent, a lot of it is just a game of persistence, waiting for the right thing to come along. Yeah, it comes down to it where you listed a bunch of reasons why you liked about L.A. The only bad thing I heard you say is it's expensive to live here. And $1,800, dude, I'll take your apartment. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. A, that's a great deal. So it sounds like you know you know what you got to do. You just got to kick around and hope for the best. I, Yeah, I mean, you sound like a unique character of a person. Yeah. I'm sure something. Good name. Tommy <laughs> Peppercini. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Brooklyn. Yeah, maybe uh, my advice is 
you know, go with your real name. I'd, I'd switch back to your real last name. That's my advice. What if his name's like Thomas Poo Poo Pee Pee? Yeah, go with that. Go with real. Because right now it's like, I get it. You're from Brooklyn. I hear it. But it's like, yeah, maybe have a real last name. That's or, me. Or don't. But, or don't. Whatever People you want. think my name's made up. I don't. I never thought that Sandy Danto. That's yeah. a catchy name. It's a catchy name, yeah. But it's, I think it's real. It's my real name. I think the one thing we could take away from this episode is from a quote from the great Ronnie Coleman, and that's uh, "There ain't nothing to it but to do it." Yeah. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Ain't nothing but a peanut. Skeezy motherfuckers. Anything you want to plug? Check out my podcast. MFR is a parenting podcast. Check out my monthly show in the Improv Lab called Watch Me Chill. And that's pretty much it. What about um, your Instagram? What's your Instagram? At Sandy Danto. S-A-N-D-Y-D-A-N-T-O. Same with Twitter. Maybe go see him live at the Comedy Store multiple times every week. Love it. The World Famous Comedy Store. He'll bring you up on stage. He'll take a picture with you. If you see me late night... You'll get to come up on a stage that not many people are allowed to go up on. So there's that. And check him throughout the country, whether it's by himself or opening for Polly Shore the Weasel, Josh Wolf, the pothead, nice guy, uh, Adam Ray, the funny, What? how do I describe him? Funny guy? I would call Josh Wolf the storyteller, and I would call Adam the... Yeah, I guess you're better at describing that. The the boy next door. The boy next door. Yeah. You know what's... Oh, you know what I just realized? And I sometimes go with Bobby Lee, too. Oh, yeah, Bobby Lee. I apologize. Once in a while. You know what I just realized besides Bobby Lee? What? They're all Jews. Yeah. Adam, Polly. I I remind them of someone they went to Hebrew school with. What can I say? Thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ari. You're listening to You're listening to Unlicensed 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 Therapy with Ari Manis Ari Manis Ari Manis